So hi everybody in different places and locations. I'm in the, the Bay of Islands in, um, in the north here and I'm having this amazing journey with the stars. And so, so yeah, before I go into the transmission, I just wanna share a little bit about the practice, the experiential work. And um, some of you know that when I wrote Occult Cosmology back in 2007, I spent a year like, oriented to the galactic center. The whole idea was, okay, trying to work with the monad instead of the soul, the symbol of that is the center of the galaxy. So rather than getting up with the sun every day, which activates the pineal gland and puts you in a certain kind of solar mode, I want to be activated by the sun of the sun, the central spiritual sun, the, the, the dark center that the sun circles that we can't see because every day the sun, the star that we're so close to is so bright, it blots out the night. So the Bay of Islands is so beautiful under the stars and the galactic center rises and sets. So at this time the, um, of the year, the galactic center is rising. So if you're in New Zealand, go out at about midnight and it'll be straight overhead in your crown center. And um, what these transmissions have been saying is that there is a whole, um, yeah, there's a whole uh, series of events ahead of us that's what's called galactic astrology, where we can use these sources of energy um, for transformation and change. And so there's, it's not just a symbol, the galactic center is just not a symbol, it's actually a source of energy and earth as a being, as a cosmic shaman in, in, in cosmos, is actually drawing in these different energies that help generate life on earth. And that if we get past our, um, if we get past our, our journey as humanity, trying to, you know, not fuck up the environment and, and you know, create a culture of love and freedom, then we may actually begin to start operating as an earth being, like as an integrated earth being. And then these cosmic energies will open up for us and we'll kind of understand what's going on at the deeper level. So anyway, that, that year I spent rising and setting with the galactic center and it really re reoriented my consciousness to the dark rather than the light. And then really ever since everything that I'm doing, I could just bring down to one thing, which is bringing the awareness of the void and of this essence of the dark, of the life principle into deeper awareness um, and humanity. And then working and practice with that in the mystery school um, at Haydn and other places, the core teaching of the modern mystery school is the revelation of the dark, um, of the life principle, and how to work with that through the use of power and will. So uh, this time I've been working with, um, with Winter here, and we've been working together with orienting our awareness or our consciousness, our alignment to this galaxy M87. So M87 is the one that, that we took the picture of that, you know, humans took the picture of in, the, in 2019 with all of these telescopes around the world. And the amazing thing about this galaxy is that it is another order of energy. So I really recommend, you know, um, that you 
try to link with it and also have some caution because, because the experience of linking with that energy is it was so powerfully impacting our systems that we were working for a couple of days with all of the psychological material that came up, all of the pieces that actually have never been shifted um, in our lives, like suddenly, boom, coming to the surface. So, you know, while to our ordinary waking minds, it doesn't seem to be very powerful to focus on a little thing a long way away in space, actually to the spirit, uh, it's incredibly powerful. Just like if you use homeopathy or something, you need a very small dose of something can have a profound energetic effect. If you align <laughs> with M87, and uh, you know, I recommend that you like have a bit of space in your life <laughs> to deal with the consequences <laughs> of the energy flowing in. And it said that in the future, if humans only understood the power of aligned meditation and group formation in cosmos, we could bring in incredibly potent and powerful energies that accelerate evolution. And so what's ahead is um, this opportunity on the solstice and then the Shambhala impact in 2025 to begin to start operating in group formation to bring these energies in and circulate them, you know, not just for our own transformation, but for the planet itself. So, you know, the, um, the transmission began really uh, about what is a black hole? Because if we're working with the life principle and the symbol of that is the black hole, understanding that really this, this life principle as a reservoir of energy, of will and power lives at the core of everything, really. It lives at the core of a galaxy, but also of a human being that somewhere deep inside you was an act of will your soul took to incarnate. And that will, that life force lives at the core of your being. And it has two components, one anchored uh, in, in that very deep core of the soul, which expresses through the heart and the other anchored in matter, which is your Kundalini. So most people kind of uh, know instinctively that they're guarding these treasures, you know, this, this treasure of life. And they really, you know, only defend that in cases of life and death when Kundalini comes up and a mother lifts a car off her children or, you know, in extreme places of tension, we um, expose the monadic core of our own being. So most of us, like, keep this protected because we know inside us that our life depends upon this, this piece of dark core. And we often don't go there unless we are forced. So this energy of M87, you know, that we connected to also in the transmission is talked about is it's got a particular quality of energy. Like the Milky Way is maybe second ray. It's kind of a great mother feeding everybody that lives within it. But M87 is father energy and it's strong first ray. And basically the, the, the image that I was given for it um, is the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac, you know, where Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his, his only son to, uh, um, to the great God. And then at the last minute, his hand is stayed. So this quality of M87 is this quality of asking you to sacrifice your soul, which is your 
the son or child really of uh, your spirit to this great singularity. You know, it's a very powerful singularity for about 4 billion times the mass of the sun. Um, and so, so you can't actually uh, go there in, in full alignment without this quality of surrender and sacrifice coming up, sacrifice to something far greater. So one of the things that it said in the transmission is that a black hole, what it really is, is a tear in space-time. So, you know, we, we're familiar with this idea of the singularity, the singularity being this, this energy that warps space and time around it so that, you know, galaxies and, and you know, gravity can bring planets and stars and so on into orbit. The problem with, um, with singularities is that when you have a universe, like when you have galaxies that are 100,000 light years across and are flying away from each other at millions of, um, at, at, at distant from each other, millions of light years, how do they communicate? If the fastest thing in the universe is the speed of light, according to Einstein, and that speed of light takes 100 million years to cross um, between galaxies, then how are they linked? There's an intimacy problem. There's an intimacy problem in cosmos. And uh, we're beginning to like see into that a little bit with this idea of quantum entanglement, that you know, when things are deeply entangled at a quantum level, then change in one instantaneously changes the other without time and space. So what DK was saying in this transmission is that the singularity of a black hole is a tear in the fabric of space-time. And it's a tear like a portal that opens into uh, the dimension that he calls the universal astral plane. In other words, that there is a life beyond the universe, the manifest universe with all of its black holes and galaxies and humans and so on is like a dimension. But the black holes, the singularities are portals to another dimension where there is a, a, a unification of those singularities. So there's just one life operating through the center of all of those black holes. So every black hole is really one black hole. It's the same thing, but they're separated in space and time. And so as, they, as this life of the universe enters into space and time, all of these little holes, these little singularities, then warp space and time around it and provide opportunities within space and time for development and change and growth on the physical plane. So the first point I was trying to make is that, that you know, in, a, in the monadic rea reality, there is only one monad. It's only one thing, but it's expressing itself through time and space. And that, that, um, that one identity that is expressing through all of those things also can grow and develop. So we're kind of, you know, this is a really deep piece of teaching and a new piece of teaching in the esoteric traditions is that we, we understand the development of body-mind. So, you know, your body-mind development is, is the thing that's supposed to happen in your first 28 years of life. You know, it's good Tony Robbins material. Learn how to, you know, set a goal with your mind, have your emotions integrated and follow through with your activities. So you integrate your body mind and you have an effective and reliable um, instrument for the soul to work through. 
if you don't have an integrated body mind then your mind and body is split and your emotions are everywhere you can't actually function in the three worlds so we know about development of body mind psychology takes care of that and then there's soul development which is this whole process of soul initiation and then group initiation the soul matures and grows through this process of initiation which keeps expanding awareness and consciousness from the individual soul to the group soul to the soul of the world to the soul of cosmos this is like a, a each of these are initiations or expansions of awareness and there is a process of speeding up that which we call group initiation but he's saying that the monad also grows and develops it undergoes development even though it's the one thing that is the same thing it um has different um amounts so in the, in the realm of black holes it's related to the mass so the more mass a black hole has the more it can bend and warp space-time around it so every monad including the, the, the monad of black hole does that it, it creates a tear in, in the fabric of space-time and warps it so in the black holes, you have a black hole like a st the stellar mass of one sun that's collapsed into a black hole. That's a particular size. Then you have the, the black hole like at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, which is about the size of four million suns. It's got the mass of four million suns. And then you have something like M87, which really sits at the center of the Virgo supercluster. So our galaxy, the Milky Way, is orbiting that with you know a hundred thousand other galaxies so it's like the you know if the if the, if the black hole at the center of the milky way is the sun of our sun then what the sun of that is is m87 in the center of the virgo supercluster and then they orbit you know the great attractor and they orbit this the shapely um uh stellar supercluster so these are like levels of galaxies you know in clusters in our local universe m87 has the, the the mass of four billion suns and then it goes all the way up to a black hole um you know the the, the biggest that we know of is called tan 618 and it's a quasar that is, you know, many millions of light years away. And it's been estimated to have the size of 66 billion suns or the mass of 66 billion solar masses, which is an enormous black hole. It's like it's a huge tear in space time. And of course, because they have such gravity, they are affecting all of the universe around them very powerfully. So it says that if you want to learn how to work with the dark light and if you want to bring this down to human level you've got to understand at the galactic level because the evolution of suns and stars relates to soul initiation but the evolution of black holes and how they grow and how they develop and and how they merge and all of those things that's monadic and so if you want to start understanding the 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 mysteries that are to come around the monadic then start looking at galactic astrology aligning yourself with these energies and start understanding the what a black hole is and how it moves and grows and develops and then we can bring that down to human level so when you're working with groups of groups it's one thing to work with like for example hyden is a galaxy 
It's got a black hole at the center we call the Freedom Stone, and it's got this energy at the core that we try to hold and embody. But then Haydn is a galaxy that has to integrate with other galaxies, you know? And so how do those galaxies integrate? Well, now you start to need to focus on another black hole, which is like M87 or the Great Attractor or, you know, and on and on. So the more that you want to work with the collective, the more you actually have to understand how to uh, work with deeper level monadic energy. And so one of the ways that he's saying that happens is that there are three ways that in cosmos, a black hole is grows. It can grow through, you know, eating matter. And so at the human level, that is like, the more of our body mind we give to our monad, the more it can grow. Like the more that we offer our lives and sacrifice to what lives at our core, the more that core has material matter to eat and it can grow in mass. The second way is through uh, merging with other black holes. Galaxies come together like, like the Milky Way is merging with Andromeda slowly over four billion years. Um, it's already eaten many little galaxies. M87 is a big devourer of galaxies. Many, many galaxies, you know, um, sweep into it. So you, and when galaxies come together, their black holes merge. So through the merges of galaxies, you create super galaxies, supermassive black holes. So that's the second way that we know um, black holes grow. Uh, and the third way, he says, we, you know, science can't see, but what's happening is through the core of a black hole into this other dimension, this dimension of the cosmic astral plane, black holes are fed from within. So they're fed from um, uh, this process of aligning to the life force that's behind or deeper on the inside of the space-time of the universe. So this process of growing, he says M87, for example, is currently in a big stage of that first type of growth that's coming from the inside, that's coming from alignment. This type of growth starts to swell or dilate the black hole. And when we come back down to human level, the way you can grow your monad, you know, which is an interesting way considering the monad is all just the one thing, but we have individual monads, even though they are just the one life. And you can grow and develop your monad, again, by those three ways, by the sacrifice of the time and the energy and the space of your body mind to your monadic core, to this process that is beginning to really start to happen now globally, you know, here and there is what I would call monadic relating. It's not souls coming together and having a soul relationship. It's when you meet somebody and the very cores of your being fall through each other so that actually you recognize the singularity of the being that you are. And then you can start to create supermassive black holes, which are not groups that have constellations at their center, like a group constellation of stars, but they're groups that actually have uh, black holes at their center, which are the monads of the individual members have coalesced to form uh, something greater. So that's the second way of growing is through monadic relating. And monadic relationships are a deep surrender into the core. And often what the experience of that is, my experience of that is when I'm in monadic relating, is that 
I fall through the heart of somebody and they fall through my heart into the void. So that deep place of the void in the heart center where you have surrendered everything and gone through your abandonment wound and, 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 and becomes a doorway. And that doorway becomes active in relationship to allow for, uh, you know, a, a greater fusion of the core of human beings. Okay, so that's monadic relating. And by the way, all of these things are ahead for us as humanity. So we're just really getting glimpses of them and trying these out in our own, you know, like um, interesting and fucked up ways. And then the third way is that the, 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 the black hole can be fed from the inner worlds. And so specifically for humans, how we can feed the black hole, how we can grow the black hole through the first method is by alignment with purpose. Okay, because every black hole is the same black hole, every monad is connected to every other monad. And the spiritual mass of a human being depends upon how much their monad is dilated. So, you know, if you want to be powerful in the true sense, then dilate your monad now and avoid the rush. You know, like let your monad be dilated. And how do you dilate it? By linking it and aligning it with the chain of power. So an ant has a monad, an elephant has a monad, a human has a monad, the planet has a monad, the galaxy has a monad. This is all just life. This is the core life force at the center of any being. So when you align your life with a greater life, so you align the, the life force at the core of your being with the life force of your group, you align that with the life force of humanity, you align that with the life force of um, the planet and with the sun and with the galaxy and so on. Now your pupil gets dilated to the extent that you're in alignment because the dark light can flow into your monad and grow it. And it's said that, you know, in the teachings, we have this idea of all of the seven rays, all of the rays of the soul get synthesized into three monadics. And there's the first ray monad, second and third ray. The third ray monad works far more on the body-mind level. It grows that. The second ray at the realm of soul and the first ray at the realm of the monad. So, so these three different, types of monad are said to be part of actually what the development of um, human civilization is. And that one day we will write the history of the development of civilization on the mat on earth from a monadic point of view. So we already know the history that our history books teach us about Columbus sailed and this person did that. And it's all very egocentric and individual. And then we, probably have some sense of the soul history of humanity, which is the growth of ideas and civilizations. Greece rises and falls, Rome rises and falls. Behind all of the who did what is these great um, waves of awareness, like Christianity is, would be part of that, or Buddhism. Like These are parts of the soul evolution of humanity that is not so much focused on individuals, although individuals may have bought, you know, started something. It's focused on the great sweep of the soul of the world. So that's the evolution of the soul. And the esoteric teachings uh, offer lots of insight into esoteric wisdom. But from the monadic point of view, if you looked at the history of the earth, you would see 
um, times of huge dilation of the monad, which then affect whole civilizations to come. So it's said, for example, the last time the Shambhala impact happened, which was the Second World War, then Hitler and his group of be beings underwent strong mo uh, monadic dilation. So what that means is that they were able to, to align their monads to this energy coming in, which is personal energy have any intention, it's life force. And then they just, you know, through the fact that they were in body mind and not in soul, they distorted through their mind the application of that will. So they used that energy of will and power for their plan of the Third Reich and global domination and so on. But, but that monadic energy that came in at that time, that was the source of the power behind that whole thing. And it had to be offset by um, hierarchy and also by the mass of humanity um, beginning to call forth what's called the Lords of Liberation, which are these extraplanetary beings to offset the misuse of power by Hitler. So from a monadic perspective, when you look at the history of humanity, you'll see major um, impacts of extraplanetary cosmic energy, which then produces soul development and produces personal development. So the, the analogy for that is that a lot of biological life and evolution on Earth also has been driven from the center of the galaxy. Cosmic rays have come in and at certain times, uh, we are exposed to far greater gamma ray radiation and it produces mutation upon which um, natural selection and evolution works. So if you were looking at the history of human life on earth and biological life on earth, you can read it from a body-mind perspective, from a soul perspective, and from a monadic perspective. And one of the things that he says about the monad, the way the monad works is by fiat. So it's the first ray quality, which says, you know, fiat is, is like by decree, by a command of the will that seems to then make things happen without effort. Okay, so that's the time where, you know, when you've used this in your own life is the time when you have just made a choice or a decision that has had inevitable consequences. You've just like, maybe you've given up an addiction or you're done with a relationship or you decide that you were going to move. That act of will, that fiat, then sets in motion a whole lot of things which look to be inevitable because you made that choice. And that's the lowest level of use of the will by the body-mind, which is the body-mind saying, I will do this. But the soul has a will and the monad has a will. And if you can link the monadic will of the individual with the group, with the planet, um, and with greater extra planetary sources, then you have the power of fiat. And, you know, if a group can identify with a greater level of being, then it becomes much more power, much more able to feel potent. So the average person on the planet at the moment it often experiences a sense of powerlessness because the global you know, problems, uh, climate change and everything are too big for the individual self to feel that they can make a difference. So that's because the individual self is time is pretty much done. The self that can do something about it is the very least the self of humanity, the eye of humanity, the monad of humanity. 
but even deeper than that is the monad of the planet and beyond that these galactic levels so if you can shift your identification to the big picture then changing and resetting the civilization on earth is a pretty small deal you know like to a galactic logos you know civilization switch on a little planet going around an average star you know amongst your hundred billion stars is not such a big deal to an individual human um it can feel like a big deal so this is this idea you know like the the hundred telescopes or whatever that we're gonna work with on the solstice that if you can get a group who are activating their monads so in order to be able to play at this level game you've got to have an integrated body mind so that you can you know do what you say that you're going to do you've got to be awake as a soul which means that you are aware of yourself as part of the world soul and then you have to be able to be in monadic contact which means that you you've got to be able to activate the dark core of your own being and then if you can align that dark core with higher levels of monadic download, you know, that goes all the way up to galaxies, now you have power. That power that can then operate through that group with an active will. So it only needs, you know, a group aligned with power to say, this will be, this civilization will end and um, this civilization will begin. Now, it's all in that active will. That's the fiat of the first ray. Everything is caused by that. So what makes that powerful is the alignment, yes. But the, the, there are spiritual groups all over the world saying, you know, they do a little ritual and then they say, and so it is, and so mote it be, and you know, blah, 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 which is they're attempting to use the power of the will to say, by the power invested in me by divine authority, I declare that this shall be. So that's a fiat. But for most people, that isn't so powerful because the dark of the soul is not connected with the dark of matter. So if you've done your embodiment work and you understand that what lives at the core of the soul and the black hole at the core of the galaxy, which is your monad, is also what's living down in the core of matter. So the Ouroboros, the snake eats its tail, the dark light of cosmos is also in matter. And if you can get the alignment between the will of your soul and your heart and the dark energy and matter, now actually nothing can stop that fiat coming true because it's not the fiat of will over matter it's the fiat of the will aligned with the will in matter it's aligned with the kundalini force so on the individual level when you have a major initiation or change in your life that descent of uh life force expands your soul awareness and when your body also says a full yes then now you know you're in power. You know that actually nothing will stop whatever you, you claim for yourself in that moment from manifesting because all parts of your being are aligned. They've all come online together. They're all vibrating together with this life force, with this dark light. So imagine as groups, you know, and eventually he said these teachings are given out now to prepare groups um, ahead of 2025 when this, monadic you know energy from the planet is going to impact again 
And so if groups can hold and handle that energy and align themselves so they can receive it, then the will of the group aligned with the will of matter and the Kundalini of the earth can produce instant change. In other words, change that's outside of time and space. Just as the black hole is a tear in time and space, there is a capacity to bring in change from outside time and space into time and space. So he said the three things that you need, you need alignment, which means that you, your, your mon, you, you need to align with your monad and then you need to put that monad in alignment with the greater monads. So if you're going back to the galaxy, galaxy level, you know, the monad of the Milky Way has to be aligned with M87, which has to be aligned with the greater tractor, that these are levels of being that enfold each other. And if you come down between galaxy and Earth, you have uh, moon-Earth uh, being that's aligned with the sun, which is aligned with the center of the galaxy. So at the solstice, you have an alignment between these nested hierarchies of monadic self. And if you can link the dark energy at the core of each of these beings, of moon and earth and sun and galaxy, now you have an alignment and a flow of life force from galactic sources. Now that life force can be used by consciously awake human beings in group formation. So, so what that means is that it can't be used by individuals, but it can be used by groups. So there has to be a certain level of identification as the one life before this energy can be used. The second thing he says is um, sacrifice. There has to be this quality of giving up. To sacrifice is to make holy. So you actually have to give up your little will for the greater will. And I said that you know, this energy, this soma wine, this immortality drug, which is the Aquarian, you know, water of life, if it's, if it's sought after and used by the individual, and you can already see this, like I've already seen this on the internet now, there's a growth in people who are promoting the dark. In other words, that the, the dark is the new, you know, power, and that what the dark says is that, you, your will is um, the most important thing. And, and now there are marketing programs around it and, and, and people are en encouraged to be the, the new teachings around this dark. However, if you bring in this dark light for the, the benefit of the individual self um, within the collective, then it's said to turn into poison. Because the, 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 the wine, the immortality belongs to the earth as a whole. It doesn't belong to individuals. It can only be used by the whole. So if an individual uses it to have like leverage or, you know, uh, I've got the new technology which is going to make me more successful than other people, then it turns into poison. Now, it can take a bit of time to turn into poison. And in the meantime, uh, you can cause a lot of damage and you can actually create a lot of effects because this energy warps time and space. So you only need a little bit of it before you can start working with a deeper magic than people who are working with soul energy are working with, let alone people who are working just with body mind. But if you use that energy for the good of the whole, as the whole, now it turns into the cure. Now it turns into immortal life. 
Now it turns into something that has real power for the whole. So that requires that you shift, you sacrifice your small identity in the greater identity, which means that when you do the ritual, you, you don't stand as an individual being, even though you are an individual being, you stand as the whole that's expressing through the individual being. So this is how you, we, we can use this energy for the benefit of the whole, because the energy itself is impersonal. And it's said that when that energy just hits humanity, then um, it can be used for all kinds of um, uh, ways that are not in alignment with the soul of the earth. But when it's channeled through the soul, which is the world hierarchy, then the, the hierarchy adds love. And then by the time it hits humanity, humanity adds activity. So now you have an alignment between the purpose of the planet, the monadic energy, the soul of the planet, the love consciousness principle, and the activity of the planet. And the whole essence of this Shambhala impact this century is that there has already been a surrender by humanity to hierarchy. So it means the energy can be used to supernova the heart of humanity rather than for global domination or totalitarian energies, which are still very prevalent. And that's what they were, that's what it was used for last century. But in order for that to happen, in order for the soul of the world to use this energy rather than the personality to use it to have dominion over others or leverage or to make money or then then enough people who have already developed soul and love need to come forward and be willing to to become instruments for the implementation of this will it's got to come through human beings and so that spirit of sacrifice is the the deep part of your being that says Oh my God, I was born for a, a greater adventure than, um, you know, the, the getting leverage over other human beings and having a better house and blah, blah, blah. I was born for an adventure of planetary proportions, maybe cosmic proportions. And so that, that call to surrender through the core of your heart to the coming, you know, impact of the life force is a sure sign that you're, you're being called into monadic alignment. So this group that's coming together, you can't kind of join the group. You are already in the group, like, right? And you're just realizing that you're in the group and being, uh, having that revealed to you as you are called into formation together. And so that's the third energy is like alignment is one thing, sacrifice, which is the conscious willing surrender to that which is already inevitably in you. So, you know, like, this is what DK said to me once that, you know, um, that you, you can be trusted at a certain point to choose what has been chosen for you. And we all know in our lives that sense of like, we're being called and we're scared because we don't know what that call means. It, it, like, it could mean that we're having to go and be a missionary in Africa. It could, could mean that we're leaving this relationship or we're called by a deeper part of ourselves. We go through some fear and terror and then we surrender and then we realize, oh my God, this is a wiser, deeper part of my own being. So the monadic call demands a surrender. And the mystery of will is not that someone is a willful human being whose will dominates others. The mystery of will is if you are surrendered and sacrificed to the greater whole, then that will can move through you. 
So this is the surrendered will, the will that has been surrendered up to a greater will, a greater life. Then that greater life can operate through you, but it's not you. It's the, it's the purpose, the planetary purpose that is moving through you. And if a group of people can do that and can bring that through, then the next step is, is he's coined a new word, which is synchirosity. So we know about synchronicity, which is, you know, that particular quality of the soul that, you know, connects us up at the right time with the right people. And, but synchronicity comes from synchronos, and chronos is time that is sequential, chronological time. Whereas the other Greek word for time is kairos, which is the, the basically the, the way I understand it is it's the, the, the gap in time that opens to the timeless. So in every moment of chronological time, there is a doorway into the timeless or into eternity. And chirotic time is revealed as not just the amazing thing happened at the right time, but the inevitable breaking forth into time of that which is eternal. So the small time we get that is when we get, for example, a piece of soul breaks into our body mind and we can look back along all of our peak experiences all of our life or maybe through all of our lives and see the inevitability of us coming to this point and this time right now. And from a monadic level, you see the whole thing as one. It's not just about your evolution as a soul on the planet through, you know, many lives. It's about the planetary evolution through billions of years. That whole thing is seen as one. And it's also seen as inevitable. And from that place, from that place of the inevitable wholeness outside time, if you can bring that into time, now you're bringing in power. So synchronization is and synchronization is when you get a whole bunch of people like these hundred fires that all simultaneously come together they're called together by the inevitable experience of being agents of the will of god and basically what the will of god is is like the will of the of our local god sanat kumara or the planetary logos which is the energy of earth and if the will of that God is aligned with the will of the solar logos and the galactic logos and so on, now you have a huge alignment of purpose and will. And if you can stand in that, if groups of humans can stand in that, they can let it pass through them. And by fiat, declare that will is um, in operation. And this is where Peter Kingsley says, new civilizations are only ever created and destroyed from a state of ecstasy. That... We think that, you know, Christopher Columbus and, you know, this person did that. But the real truth of civilization is that it emerges out of the ecstatic non-dual realms of time and space and it disappears into those realms. So in order for the civilization to end, it won't be a whole lot of people marching with placards. Is It has to be ended from the place it began, the ecstatic trans-temporal, trans-time-and-space place where all civilizations are birthed out of. So you, you, you can't end it by a lesser state than where it was created. So in order for it to come into being, it needed beings who had access to um, the, the eternal, timeless, outside time-and-space realm. In order for it to end, you need the same thing. So basically what's happening to so many souls on the planet is they're starting to be gathered in by this monadic force 
this dark energy to inevitably enact the ending of civilization and the rebirthing of a new one, the ecstatic death and rebirth. So that isn't the energy of rebellion and it isn't the energy of the status quo, it's the energy of that which is truly powerful, that which is anchored in the power that's beyond time and space and knows what true power is and knows where it comes from and, and knows that we need to collectively wield it together. So this um, third thing is synchronization or synchronization, which is kind of understanding that there is something that is calling us and it's calling us en masse and we are responding to that. So it's not really organized, it's, it's revealed. It's revealed just like monadic relationships with others are revealed. Oh my God, there's something between us that is inevitable, that has, you know, got its deep roots in the singularity that we both come, we, we come from. So this relates to the ashrams, you know, if you have body-mind relationships uh, with people that you like, you know, they like the same music as you and they like tramping or whatever, you know, so you have that, that kind of synergy that comes from personality likes. And then souls often there's an ashramic um, connection or a soul ray connection, you know, where you recognize that you're part of the same soul evolution and the ashrams on the buddhic plane. But monadic is when you are, when you are responding to your monadic core, the core node of your monad, which is expressing on the monadic plane. And that's where your life your, your, the beings that you are already one in life with are starting to show up in your world. And you're starting to not really have to do much with those beings because you already are each other. And the singularity reveals to you that you, the, the, the level of trust that you have with other beings in your monadic ashram is, is total because there isn't a like me and you. There's just this one being that's starting to operate through you. So this principle, like I say, is going to be revealed um, over the next 2,000 years. So it's part of the Aquarian dispensation. And um, he recommended, and for any of you who have working with the will, like there's a whole segment on Aquarius, how to work with the will um, in an Aquarian group form that he really recommended that you, that, um, you read as part of this transmission. And a lot of that is, how to link up groups as an electrical being, you know, that are flowing currents. And then in an electromagnetic being as a group, if you add these deeper currents from the galactic center and from M87 and these other places, now you have like dynamos of um, dark light. And those dynamos are what's necessary for global change. So we don't know, you know, how how this is going to play out like you know the coronavirus and everything else over the next decade we don't know how it's going to look as this principle starts to organize humanity but we can intelligently experiment and in a way you know Haydn is an experiment in that in the mystery school of revelation of the dark light these this thing like we're doing at the solstice is an experiment in that 
um, you know, the global phenomenons of um, people coming together online or in other ways, being called together around um, the life principle, our experiments in it. By the time we get to 2030, that may look radically different than it is now. The things that we know about it are that it's the dark light that comes in that it comes in through the monad, it also comes in through black holes into the universe and is inherent in matter and kundalini. That when it's brought to the heart and those energies are fused through the heart, then the principle of love becomes much more penetrative and it's possible for the heart of humanity to begin to supernova as a result of this energy of the dark coming in. We know that it needs to be circulated. So in other words, that that energy has to be used through a group and the group needs to circulate that energy amongst its members so that nobody, you know, gets over fried that because the power of this energy is, is so great that it, it can be, it can dilate your own monad too much unless it's used in group formation. And it has a particular quality of spiritual mass, so it's both magnetic, in fact, that it's like a, got a gravity that calls other people into its orbit, but it, and it's also destructive in the sense that it can destroy matter. And this kind of matter that it's destroying on the planet at the moment is going to be the predominant culture of ego. Like what ego is, is soul that has become... Um, consolidated in matter. It's become crystallized in matter, and then that identity tries to defend itself and be secure by gathering more matter around it. So the black hole energy is, it eats that. It eats the ego. It's big ego eating and a civilization based on ego is now going to start to have a lot of holes where ego was and, and that's the holes that it burns through. So how you can participate in that process is by taking that self, that body-mind self, and willingly surrendering it to the energy of the dark instead of waiting for the dark to come for you and drag your ego out of your clutching fingers. If you come into alignment and you offer um, as an instrument in that um, experience, Well, I hope it will begin again. Bruce, unmute yourself. Unmute yourself, Bruce. Okay, thank you, Taki. So, shall I start from the beginning? No, I, I'm going to. I'm going to just say that. Uh, yeah, that the the opportunity for experimentation is there, and. That experimentation is um, a, a development of a sensitivity to this energy of the dark or the monadic and the development of that in our relationships with each other, you know, the way that we come together and 
um, find the singularity of our mutual identity as the one life before we do all of the personality and the soul relating that speeds it up. Um, the way we can come together as a global group to receive these energies and apply them on behalf of humanity. So all, all that we, all that, you know, humans who have had the privilege really of the time and space to develop their soul so that they can begin to become sensitive to monadic energy is they're just those beings within humanity that are going to be the organs of perception for the coming civilization. Just as, you know, when, you know, biological life undergoes lots of changes during very tough climate times, then some cells become differentiated from the others because they've got a role in what's to come. And so these cells within humanity are those that are being called because they inherently have these seeds of dark light in them. They're being called together by the dark to come together and to synchronize or synchronize with each other in order to be uh, like pupil that humanity can can use for the dark light to flow through so that idea of dilating your monad and coming into group supermassive and ultra massive beings that are working with the dark light um, can manifest these energies more powerfully so the piece that's most interesting for me in all of this teaching is that there is a there is a monadic development it's not just, you know, monadic relationship and so on. There is a capacity to develop the monad through uh, working with dilating it, like increasing your power to dilate the monad and therefore hold more of the reservoir of that life force. And remember I said before, most people understand that there is life at the core of their being and it's their most precious resource. And one of the reasons that we are controlled by life and death is that we are afraid of losing this life. And this life is not um, just the life of our soul, it's the life of our biology, like it's buried in matter, it's under our Kundalini, it's the dragon power, and it's the monad, the core at the core of the soul. And each of us have, have been given at the beginning of our incarnation, you know, like a certain amount, you know, of this dark light, which is life. And we kind of know that if we burn that life out really fast, then, you know, then we will not, we will, we will die young, you know. And so many actually people who do die young, you can see that they're fast burners. And then, you know, people want to conserve their life force and ejaculation and everything else in order to preserve this deep energy of life that lives at the core of human beings. But if you know where that life comes from, like if you contact your monad and you therefore are in touch with the reservoir of life that you have at the core of your being, and then you can, and then you align with where that life came from. So each of our monads came from the planetary logos. We are each a dark ray from the one great life. And we've been given a piece of that life. But if you willingly sacrifice that life, you give up that life back to where it came from. And of course, that means you risk dying and you risk having your own separate life. You recognize and awaken to the fact that that life came from a source and you give that life back to the source. Now you are plugged into what's called life more abundant. Instead of just the life that lives at the core of you, you're plugged into the whole treasury of life for the planet. 
okay, you have access to Shambhala. And what Shambhala is, is the reservoir of life for a whole planet. And, and you know, the reservoir of life for a whole galaxy is a black hole. And the reservoir of life for a cluster of 100,000 galaxies is at the center of M87 and so on. So if your individual life is fed from the currents of these greater lives, you have so much life that you can afford to give it away. You don't need to protect your life and hold on to it, you know, which is the civilization that's dying. It's full of humans who are afraid to lose their life and not just their physical life. They're afraid to lose the life at the core of their soul. But if your life is plugged into this great life, you're no longer afraid to lose your life. In fact, life is pouring through you at such a rate that it's pouring into the, into the world and bringing others to life around you. It's like most people are not sharing their life force because they're hoarding it. If your life force is expanding through you, then other people are, are receiving some of that life and they are coming alive themselves. And then the next step is, to encourage them to sacrifice their own life because life does not propagate itself except through a surrendered sacrifice life. Okay, so that process of, of, of individual sacrifice becoming group sacrifice then turns, you know, what it said in the teachings into the coming avatar. And what the coming avatar is, is like, you know, the next Christ is a uh, Sangha. Like that, that it's a group, it's hundreds of thousands of people all over the world awakened as souls, surrendering that soul to the monadic life and letting the dark life pour through them in such a way that it, it like sets off a chain reaction, like a supernova, that, that then becomes so much life that then people still feel to relax their own hoarding of their life force and surrender it and so on and so on and so on. So this is... You know, it's equivalent down in the material world is if there was so much money that people didn't worry about money, then they would feel rich. If there was so much life at the core of your, of your being that was plugged into the universal life, you would never have to protect your life or, or, or you know, um, hoard it because the more life that you allow through you, you're plugged into an inexhaustible supply of life that's only requiring that you burn up more and more of your ego, that you merge with more and more others, and that you align and open yourself to greater levels of being to allow that life to pour through. So it's a subtle thing, you know, like when, when life force is being transmitted, it's not necessarily being received in big Kundalini awakenings and so on, although it can be, it's not necessarily expanding your heart somewhere. It's, it's allowing you to feel that there is more life and more permission to live, that you're in an alive universe that is supportive of your evolution and has inexhaustible reservoirs. So, you know, monadic work is to plug yourself into the reservoir of those great lives in the chains of beings of cosmos and allow as much as that life to pour through you as you can handle without blowing all of your circuits. And so that's where I want to end is that the, this energy of life can have two effects. If your being's integrated, if you have some degree of integration of your body, mind, and your soul, and your monad, then, then the life force, when it pours through you, is going to accelerate your evolutionary development way faster than any soul work or any body, mind work.
It's going to make you much more magnetic and much more vital and vivify you. Okay, if you are not integrated on those levels, then it's going to bring up fast anything that is in the way of that. If there is a lack of integration in your emotional life or in your sexual life or in your mental life, that energy is going to pour into it. And in the worst case scenario, it causes shatterings. It causes like splits and cleavages as energy just cannot come into alignment. In the best case scenario, it forms, it creates crisis. Like this energy grows you through crisis because you're hit with electricity. It's such a powerful energy. It brings up anything that is in resistance to the flow of that energy. And now you're left dealing with that. But if you keep giving that back into the dark core, it keeps burning through and burning through and burning through. So one of the, the, the ways to help um, handle that energy is group formation because you can circulate that energy in the group so it's not all just hitting your own being. And then to work with integration by knowing that everything can be poured into the life force. So whatever is going on in your life, you have to say a relationship drama or um, you know a financial drama or whatever it is that's come up, then that to work with it energetically rather than just working it with it through the normal body mind way by bringing the essence of it into the dark, bringing it into the alignment and, you know, coming back to M87, you know, the work that we just did in the last week was you're lying with some of these powerful energies and then you get the hit, expect there to be some cleanup, expect there to be the result of calling in the lightning. Expect that to look like some kind of crisis or something arising in your being, an energetic arising, a shamanic upwelling that then needs to be integrated. But if you can trust that dark light, then you just keep pouring whatever it is into it. Keep allowing yourself to be penetrated. And, you know, for me and for many people, if you're in that accelerated journey, it can look like you're going backwards because you're bringing up some of the deepest rooted stuff that you've never been able to shift and change in your life before. That's like sitting underneath everything else, but you're bringing that up like a root because if you can get to the root, the, the core essential issues in any of your systems that are blocking that flow of current, now the current can flow. So the, the, the trick is not to go too much into process and not to go too much into psychology and to too much into like figuring and working things out, but to stay in the dark, run the current and allow the, the body mind to reset itself. That might mean emotional resetting energy that needs to move, sexual energy needs to move, like mental belief systems that need to go, like allow the energy to respond afterwards to the energy coming in and it will reset itself and it will reset itself in a much faster way than other forms of psychological development. So with that, you know, warning on the label, um, I recommend still the, uh, the, the, if you're at a hide and get up on the roof on a clear night, you know, and uh, look for the galactic center above at um, around midnight and, and try like that process of alignment and sacrifice, like, you know, you, you, you can't bring in this energy for curiosity. There's got to be a greater reason for collective good that you would invoke it. 
Okay, it can't be like I want my, you know, Facebook page to get more hits. You actually have to be calling it in for the collective good from that deep motivation of willing to offer your life to the great life. And then the result of that is like running that energy through your body into the matter, into the dark energy of matter in your body and allowing it to reorganize yourself, allowing it, you know, go to bed and, and let dreams come or whatever ever, ever else that responds to that energy because it will present to you whatever needs to shift now in order for you to bring more of that energy. Like that's, this is the fast way of growing. And if you really want to work with it over time, do what we're doing at the moment, which is stay up all night. Like, you know, at the time when the galactic center is rising, which will be over the solstice, you can get up when the sun sets and the galactic center is rising. And now you are being impacted all night long by the energy of this great sun, the sun of the sun. And after a few days, that starts to really reset your frequency of response you know, away from, you know, the activation of the solar response into an activation of the dark light. And then if you want to play with M87, and I, I haven't dared to try to align with Tun 618 yet, which is this, you know, huge ultra massive quasar, but I'll, I'll keep you informed about um, how that experiment's going. And if you're interested in galactic astrology, actually I did some research and um, a guy called Philip Sedgwick has done quite a lot of work already over the last 30 years. That's been his thing to identify where all the different black holes and quasars are, where they fit in the chart. You know, so for example, um, M87 is at two degrees Libra. So if you want to look at where your chart's affected by these big energies of black holes and quasars and binary systems and so on, which are, you know, feeding in all of this gamma ray and other subtle energy into your field, then you could look at that, Philip Sedgwick. And then the last thing to say about that is that the scientists say that we're just entering into what's called grand solar minimum, which means that the sun is, is active or passive in various different cycles. It has an 11 year cycle, but it also has much longer cycles. And it's said that the, the ice ages are often formed because the solar goes in, the sun goes into a solar minimum. So at the same time as we've got all the climate change and global warming, we have the sun going into a grand solar minimum, which is gonna be over, the last time this happened was like some hundred years ago, and it happens for a long period of time. And they're saying that we probably won't enter Ice Age this time because of all of the global warming and everything else that humans are doing to offset it. But a byproduct of it is when the sun goes into solar minimum, it, the, the heliosphere is not full of solar radiation so much. And that means that Earth is more able to be hit by cosmic rays. In other words, our heliosphere is not so uh, potent and vibrant. So therefore, through the heliosphere, we can receive more of the cosmic rays and the gamma rays and so on from uh, sources like the center of the galaxy or other galaxies, which may mean that grand solar minimums, you know, uh, uh, coincide with times of great evolution on the planet you know whether it's evolution of consciousness or not so developing your sensitivity to get through the solar system and the radiation of the sun and start to see if you can sensitize yourself to these energies that are beyond solar 
that are, um, you know, quasars and binary systems and pulsars and galactic centers and so on. There's this enormous radiation of cosmic rays that are impacting the Earth at any time. And they become the, like the physical equivalent of a metaphysical process, which is an awakening to much deeper energies of the subtle and the dark. Okay, so that's my, you know, download transmission for the evening. And I hope you get some sense of the excitement um, that comes in with this quality of energies from these other sources and uh, some encouragement to, to, to try it yourself and to maybe try it in group formation and also consider being involved in that 100 fires project over the solstice um, as a preparation really to the 2025 journey of uh, the Shambhala impact. Um, and part of, if you are gonna be involved in the 100 fires project, part of the essence of it is, is fiat, to use your power of your will aligned with greater wills to choose to bring about the end of civilization, not just for the planet, but for yourself. The, the end of the civilization or the colonization of um, energies inside yourself that keep you limited and keep you small and the beginning of the civilization you want to live for the world and for yourself that is ecstatic that is based on freedom and love that is based on the principle of life more abundant that we live in an abundant universe that we just could unpack how to bring that life force through us everything that we need and more would come okay so maybe open it up for other voices and questions and maybe somebody needs to unmute microphones uh, please if i can um i i bow and i'm so grateful for the this larger picture that it's so far this three um uh, three decrees um from the the soul perspective, the earth perspective of uh, sacrifices and um, often referred to as the, the great sacrifice. And on the monadic relating second uh, way of proceeding of with this Andromeda and, uh, and Milky Way thing and this uh, first decree uh, from the M87. And I would like to ask you some question about this, this kind of triangulation, if we go back to geocentric and earth, is it the beginning of uh, the manifestation of the fourth quality because it will pass through uh, the soul of humanity? Uh, and um, is it a way also that this alignment is a way to inoculate maybe the fixed race or the new civilization? Is it the, something that came through also? Sure, yeah. So let me just check on my unmuted. Yeah, so I, you know, there's, there's some big questions in there. And first of all, I love that analogy between M87, Milky Way and Andromeda and Earth. And I feel like that there's triangles on the same level uh, and then there's triangles vertically between levels. So Shambhala hierarchy in humanity is in a way a vertical triangle, but then you can have very big vertical triangles between a planet, a galaxy and a supercluster. You know, when you create these big vertical triangles then you have major chance for inflow. And the fourth quality that you talk about that's coming in in 2025 requires first that humans balance the will. So we're learning how to use the Shambhala force 
with the love of the soul and the intelligence of the body-mind. If we can balance our monad, soul, and personality, or on the planet, we can balance Shambhala hierarchy and humanity, or on the system, we can balance the, the Sirius and the black hole and Earth, then we have the capacity for the fourth quality to express. And the essence of the fourth quality is the presence of divinity, which to me is what happens when the heart, when the solar heart of humanity supernovas, then that love that we all sense just in those moments becomes a reality in our lives and the great revelation takes place. So, you know, that fourth quality is on its way and, and our work is to prepare the will like the love is being prepared. We need to prepare the will so we can balance that with, with love and activity. Thanks for your question. Nice to see you. Yeah, I have a question about the... Oh. Okay. I have a question about the solstice and the alignments. Um, and, and the group formations, and because you were saying that in order to play this game, you know, having all these, the, the personality, the, the mind-body thing sorted and know yourself as a soul and here on purpose and connected to group soul and planetary soul and then be able to connect to dark light. And so I'm just wondering, because I'm also one of the point persons for bringing this, uh, you know, for, for Northern Europe, of uh, how... You know, I mean, there'll be plenty more people who want to be involved than just those who are, you know, meet that requirement, let's say. Um, and for the diffusion of it, that also is necessary. So I'm, yeah, just if you could comment more on that. Sure. So, uh, you know, part of the circulation amongst the group is protective. Okay. And that circulation can be at the same level or it can be between levels. So the way the universe is organized you have a whole bunch of black holes at the center of galaxies. But so, so you know, the, a person holding the fire, you know, for a group um, should probably have some access to that dark light. Otherwise, there isn't really a life force at the, at the middle. But then once you have a, even just a, one black hole, then you can have many suns. And around those suns, you can have many planets and many moons. So you can have you know, a huge galaxies of people who are like captured by the idea. Like some people, almost everybody in the world, you know, that's partly awake and is just developing their soul will be captured by the idea of, oh my God, let's stand up for a new world or let's, you know, do ritual for a new civilization. Okay. So, but they don't necessarily have access to the dark light, but they can come into a galaxy that has access to that and they will still be protected. You know, like everybody just gets what they need. It's only when you are in touch and integrated and invoking that and distributing that through your being that, you know, you need, you need the group of other dark light beings in order to, to do that safely. So yeah, if somebody's wanting to hold point for the fire, um, they, should, they should have that energy of dark light somewhere in their system. Uh, first question from the hide and fireplace. Um, Looks good. Uh, I how having, yeah, well, we wish you were here. Um, but in the meantime, um, I during the temple training, I at least got a 
pretty strong sense of my soul shine and my relationship with soul and working with the will on on that level what i'm curious about is like when you're working with these galactic center galactic centers and invoking will um at that level it, it, do the questions change in their caliber or character are you are we asking for a, a different class of help than our soul shine? Or, or maybe most of the point, what are you asking to invoke when you're working with M87? Sure. Yeah, well, the questions at the, at the soul level are, are often, you know, invoking the lightning that lives between the soul and the monad. So, in other words, you're calling on the will of the soul. Like, what's my soul purpose? Like, what am I here to express? Who are the people that I should be working with? Like, what's the particular gift that's trying to unfold from my core for humanity? Okay, when you're working with the monad, you're really calling forth the, the humanity itself and the earth itself, okay? Because the monad is all one. So the soul, you still have a sense of separation and individuality and you know, now you're, you're wanting to know what is the gift and the creative soul shine that moves through me. But the dark light is, is synthetic. In other words, it's operating for the, for the collective. So when you're calling forth monadic energy, you're not basically saying, you know, like, how can I make my work in the world more powerful? You're basically saying to the power that is the world, use me in your um, uh, expression. So there's an element of sacrifice rather than a seeking power. There's a, an offering of the power that you already have as a soul, as a body mind to say, um, I want to play a part in the world, not the part that I have assigned for myself, but the part that is most effective in the transmission of this thing that I don't know that, that what it is that's trying to happen. So, so there's a quality of willing sacrifice that comes with any invocation to like galactic center, black hole energy, where you're basically really putting your life on the altar uh, rather than seeking support for your evolution. Of course, your own evolution is supported, but um, what happens, you know, for me often is what comes in maybe totally left field from what I have planned. And then I'm, then I'm swept up in that energy. And then I'm, I'm, um, I'm being moved by, by um, energies that I did not know before I made the invocation. So you can, you can call upon it for collective and global uh, reasons. It's a universal energy. Can I ask about bringing this energy in group space? Does it need to be just in temple space where everyone's showing up deliberately for that? Or can it just be me walking into a supermarket, whoever's there, I just, 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 I don't know. Or, 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 or the, at the gym, at the gym's a massive one. Um, like, or is that just my ego playing around? I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, being shows up anyway, you know, you, you, you are your purpose. And so if you're vibrating, then wherever you go, that energy is with you. But I think right. it, it mainly shows, it, you know, the kind of energy we're talking about monadic normally shows up 
for the good of the collective whole at times of crisis. So for example, you know, like there was a war in East Timor and, you know, the, the guy who was head of the UN was, was told to pull out and he just said no. And that changed the course of events. So that was an act of dark light by an individual for the collective. So whenever you're using that energy, it's going to impact the collective for the collective um, rather than, than like the beingness of your soul. If you walk into the gym, you're most likely gonna be using the energy of being more vital, being more alive, radiating confidence and connection to source those energies will affect the soul and body mind of people around you. But if you're really channeling monadic energy, then, then basically everybody in the gym is going to like get off their bike and go out and, you know, do some massive project for the world, you know, because they're going to be impacted by, by global evolutionary power, which is very different from just, you know, soul awakening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it tends to work through, beings at time of great tension um, for the greater good of the whole. So you expect monadic energy to arrive in your life when you are in deep committed service to something beyond you and you've reached the end of all of your resources and all of your life force. And then you can call upon this, this deeper life. I have a question. Um, My experience recently has been greatly that there's not, there's no more striving for like, you know, when you're doing soul work, there's always work to do and you're trying to get through your personal issues. And, but I'm feeling and I'm sensing, and I, I get, I think I'm getting from what you're saying. And I just, I'm looking for clarity that, that there's a certain point that it's about receiving and about being open enough to just receive what's already there, like what's already available to us and like finding the ways to be more, more open and, and being open to having that manifest however it manifests. And then another part of my inquiry is my per, in my personal experience, when I get hit with enough of that energy, I have to move it with other human beings. Like it gets so overwhelming that like, it seems like it takes other human beings to actually like you know, move that energy out to where it needs to be. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that as well. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the first thing that you said is, is there is a, there is a quality of effortlessness with the will. It's like, it's peaceful. It's silent. It's like a galaxy, a hundred billion suns burst into flame around it. And it doesn't look like it's doing anything. So, but there's an incredible amount of effort that's required to get to the effortlessness. So in other words, you know, the idea of effortlessness really appeals to the emotional body of people that doesn't really want to do any work. And it's like, well, it's effortless. And like, if the thing's not manifesting, well, then it's not meant to happen. But my experience of the will requires for it to really activate, it requires the full giving of oneself and the surrender of all of the resources and everything that you have, and then the will kicks in, and then things start to happen effortlessly. So that there's kind of like a pre-striving effortlessness and a post. 
And so it sounds like you're moving into the post, which is that things now, you know, the, the test of surrender is passed. And then now it's a question of allowing the energy to move through you and then reveal its manifestation around you. And, and the second one in terms of like the group, like I said, particularly with M87, I, I encourage group uh, approach because yeah, the life force, you know, my experience of it is a bit like, you know, the, the ocean's trying to get through a hose and, and so much is trying to come through and your hose is only this big. And then, you know, you, you kind of like, just take what you can in the hose or you can give up being the hose and be the ocean. And then, and then you can get to pour yourself through many hoses um, and you're, not, you're no longer in that you know, effort of trying to, to squeeze it all through this individual being. Um, and I think that just naturally pops the soul out of body-mind into the monadic realms. And then the body-mind takes as much as it needs and you start to naturally call yourself into group formation with other people who are resonant with that energy. So, yeah, I think that's how, that's how this global phenomena is going to happen is because life calls to life. Life force, when it moves through you, starts to vibrate and call that life force of others. And then pretty soon you're coming alive together. And I really love that idea that, you know, the Aquarian age is basically about sharing life, you know, sharing this energy, this vital energy of life force um, between us so that we create a reservoir of alive people that then, you know, starts to transmit out from that. Thanks, Lisa. Hi. Okay, any other questions or comments or profound insights? All right, well, that's it for the night. So thank you for coming and uh, interested in um, experimentation, you know, like interested in people experimenting, particularly with galactic energies and downloads and group formation and seeing what happens, you know, because I think we're all making of ourselves guinea pigs in some sense for this emergent energy. And uh, as we develop, um, you know, like, like any good scientists, we develop data and then we share the data and out of the data, we can create more hypotheses and, you know, have more experiments. So keep um, sharing with each other and linking with each other on, you know, the various mechanisms and mediums that we have. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I hope the, uh, the stars are out.